Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 1 of Charmed. The honeymoon's over. Okay, so this is sort of where the real plot of Charmed kicks in. I know the last episode had the, oh, it turns out that all the demons that have been after us were sent by the council, which... Well, okay, so in this episode, they start referring to it as the triad. They're like, so, last episode we learned that the triad is after us, even though they never used that phrase in the previous episode. Well, remember when Leo was talking about the elders and he called them, like, the founders or something? When uh, he was explaining what white lighters were to Phoebe? I feel like once you establish the name of something, you should probably stick with it, but whatever. Well, this show is also... This episode, rather, is also kind of where we begin the takeover of the series by Brad Kern. Mm. Yeah, Constance Emberge in season three is demoted from showrunner to executive producer, and by season four, she's gone altogether. So... What is it about the third season of Charmed? You heard they uh, they killed off spoilers for New Charmed, I guess, but... They killed off one of the sisters in New Charmed after the third season. I guess third season's not the Charmed. Ugh. Although, having said that, I feel like such a traitor to Constance M. Burge, who, by the way, in doing my research this week, I learned she goes by Connie. Connie Burge. I don't feel comfortable calling her that. Yeah, we're not friends. I mean, not, we're not friends. Like, like I don't know her. Well, yeah, it's like when you find out people call Robert De Niro Bobby in real life, and you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Or, uh... And this is, this is dating me when people would call Leonardo DiCaprio Leo. Or The Rock DJ, because apparently, uh... Is that what his friends call him? Apparently, uh, someone on the set of, uh, that Jungle Cruise movie was calling him DJ, and I was like, is that what people call him in real life? I mean... Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't call him The Rock. That... You could just call him Dwayne, I mean... Ooh, see, that doesn't feel right either. I guess DJ... Dwayne Johnson, and he might be a junior. I'm not sure. Uh, I have no idea. I know he comes from, like, a wrestling dynasty. Remember when they found the limits of his power as a bankable star with that Skyscraper movie? Where they're like, okay, it turns out you can't just put the rock in literally anything and it will sell. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. But you found out something interesting about Constance and Burge, or was it just the Connie thing? Oh, no, no, it was just the Connie thing. It was just the Connie thing. No, I was trying to find some information about the actual fallout between her and Brad Kern. Uh, like, some details about it. And everything that I was looking for, it everybody wanted to talk about the fallout between the four stars. The four stars. But nobody, nobody really wanted to go on the record about what happened behind the scenes although we do know that brad kern is a known predator who got fired from later jobs so i can't help but think that he contributed to the toxic set that it apparently was i mean i know it would be like impossible to do and there'd be a ton of hearsay and stuff but god would i love a documentary about the behind the scenes of original charmed like a good documentary not those unauthorized story bs movies that uh lifetime put out yeah Oh, did you know that the cast of Full House did Whippets once? Wow, groundbreaking. You don't even talk about anyone using meth. There was so much drama behind the scenes on Full House. That unauthorized behind the scenes of Full House that they did on Lifetime is so incredibly toothless. Yeah, Meanwhile. Uh, oh, 
oh, the Olsen twins' mom was slightly worried that maybe it might be bad for them growing up on set. And, oh, Stephanie felt disconnected from the rest of the cast. You know what stuff went down with them later and that's what you focus on? Meanwhile, the one about Saved by the Bell that they did was almost entirely based on Dustin Diamond's tell-all. So everyone is just... This doing cocaine and having sex in front of him and not letting him join in on the cocaine and or sex. Yes, exactly. We did talk about this last time we went into wanting a charm documentary, but... Did we? Yeah. Oh. But, you know, get on that, somebody with money and connections. Yeah, somebody who knows the story, let us know. I do have to say, I thought about getting Rose McGowan's book so that I could read the chapters about Charmed and get some dish... And I couldn't bring myself to buy it because she's a turf now. Okay, we. I feel like there's a lot of not talking about stuff Rose McGowan has done that we're going to need to do once she's a part of the show just because we can't get into it all the time. But she's got some stuff going on. Yeah, well, when she joins the cast, I'll get the book from the library so that I can find out any... any interesting details without the money going to her so the th- but we're not there yet we have we have lots to go we- shannon doherty hasn't even been fired yet yeah prue is still living and breathing thus far the thing is we i feel like have established throughout the course of this podcast fall very firmly on the constance emberge side of the constance emberge brad kern divide but also, this is a really good episode. This is so. a really good episode. It pains me to say it, but it's true. This episode, directed by James Conway, who also directed The Wendigo and that old Black Magic. Oh, oh, that's the one with the Bernadette Peters witch. Yeah, yeah. that was a good one. And written by Brad Kern. Which, I mean... I mean, there's a whole writer's room. He's just the credited writer. But, but you can also tell it's got a lot of the hallmarks of a Brad Kern episode. But it literally opens with the sisters separated. That feels so symbolic. Mm. So, but this is Brad Kern, like, on his game. Like, I feel like this is one of the better things that clearly has his fingerprints all over it. Yeah, and that that is true. Should we, should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. It literally talk- opens with the sisters separated. Prue is flipping through the Book of Shadows. She's been on a real witch kick the last month. Uh, if you remember, the last episode and season ended with Piper insisting that Leo take her up to White Lighter Land. So she that- wanted to go home to meet his parents. Yes, essentially. And she has been gone for a month. While Prue is in the attic, we see these, like horror movie zoom-ins on the creepy dolls in the attic but the last one is a teddy bear and honestly there's like one too many shots for it to be atmospheric and it just it 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 kills the mood a little bit it lapses it lapses into parody it's not good also i just have to throw this out here prue is the one who is up there obsessively studying the book of shadows and I'm putting this on Brad Kern, too, because that should be Phoebe. Yeah. Phoebe should be the one who's obsessively studying the Book of Shadows. It's like, ah, this is where we begin Phoebe's descent into Ask Phoebe. Yeah, I was going to say that it feels kind of like Prue and Phoebe have switched roles because Phoebe's thing was always being very serious about the witchcraft. and Except 
Prue has taken Phoebe's thing about being like a serious study witch. Mm-hmm. Phoebe has not taken Prue's, uh, I guess, early season role of being the responsible one. Yeah. Well, now no one is the responsible one because Phoebe comes in and Prue blasts her because she didn't realize it was Phoebe. Thought that some random person broke into the attic, even though we know that's impossible. And Phoebe's like, hey, you forgot to pay the gas bill. In what you, I guess in Brad Kern's universe, I was going to say, in what universe did Prue forget to pay the gas bill? Seriously. Also, it's been a month. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, they wouldn't shut off your gas after one month. So. They talk about the whole, oh, now that we know that the triad, not the council, the triad is after us. That explains all the demons that have been attacking us. And I'm like, I mean, there was Rex and Hannah and there was those shapeshifters in season one. But really, it feels like the demons you're fighting aren't generally after you. They're usually after other people and then you interfere. I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say you're the charmed ones. Of course, demons are after you. But also, you're right, Phoebe, you literally get visions to tell you who to go interfere with. Nobody's coming after you. Well, yeah. And we're going to see a sharp increase in people going directly after the Charmed Ones. But it doesn't, doesn't super feel earned. doesn't super feel like, oh, this explains why all of the people are after, have been after us. I yeah, mean, the, the French Stewart genie, yeah, but... Other than that, it feels like mostly season one and mostly the first few episodes of season one. Well, even in that episode with the French Stewart Genie, they were like, ah, this explains why we've been so targeted. And remember, we talked about this last episode. It felt almost like a repilot. Yeah. So, two throwbacks. Mm-hmm. Prue gets a fax. <gasps> yes. So, it's two in the morning. One of the reasons they were up so late was because Prue is waiting on a fax from Daryl, who is hunting a killer he thinks may have some supernatural connection because he's carving runes into the foreheads of his victims. And the other throwback, we get a phone transition. Because mm. Daryl calls from the rave. Yes, Daryl has infiltrated a rave to try to find this murderer. And, uh... Okay, okay. Y'all, Daryl at the rave in a sleeveless leather top. I love it. Do you think Doran Gregory was like, hey, I have massive arms and you haven't done anything with that. Can you put me in an outfit that shows off the fact that I work out a ton? Because, jeez, Daryl, those are some pythons you got there. I... Pythons that have swallowed pigs. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do think that. Yes. Anyway, they they tell Daryl to stay away from the demon, which is... So the demon is like a human killer who's protected by the the guardians okay so the the demon is there's a a set of demons called guardian demons and what they do is they find human serial killers and mystically protect them in exchange for the souls of the people they kill thank you that was that was a much more concise explanation and prue's like so avoid the serial killer because if he serial kills you then your soul is going to be fed to a demon and well, would it be destroyed, or do you go to hell? How, how do you think that works? Okay, I have a real problem with demons being able to steal the souls of the innocents, period. Like, what is good and evil if your soul can be stolen when you haven't done anything? You can be tempted, but stolen? No, not okay with it. 
Also, they're talking pretty big considering later in the show they literally steal Daryl's soul so they can use it to infiltrate the Valkyrie uh, headquarters. Oh yeah, they do do that, don't they? Well, I mean, Prue's dead by that point, so... So you're She's saying, not a hypocrite. So you're saying Prue was the moral center of this show? Oof. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Daryl doesn't listen, and he goes after the guy and immediately gets knocked out. But before the guy can kill Daryl... <laughs> okay, some random lady shows up, and I really thought it was Phoebe at first. Because they told Daryl, they told Daryl, we're going to head over, don't confront the serial killer. And Daryl's like, whatever, I'm a cop, I can do what I want. Clonk! But since they went from that to Phoebe immediately, or a girl immediately running into the alley and being like, oh, I I just assumed it was Phoebe. She looks kind of like Phoebe. Okay, so you asked me when we were watching the episode, did they want to fake us out and make us think it was Phoebe? And I was like, no, it's just what girls look like in the 90s. But, ooh, she is dressed a lot like Phoebe, and she does have her, she is wearing the kind of outfits that they put Phoebe in. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they did want us to think it was Phoebe. So instead of finishing off the Daryl he already has, you know, on hand, he instead chases after the girl, stabs her, and uh, feeds her soul to the demon, which... A, a Daryl in the hand is worth two in the alley? Is that Does that make sense? I don't think that works. Is this a, like, does the demon like lady souls better, or... Yes. Like... Is this, a, is this a predatory... I mean, I know it's a predatory thing because it eats souls and the guy's feeding the souls to him. I do really like the kind of effects work here. The guy, the serial killer, the human serial killer, has, like, the kind of overlay of the demon, like, over his face as he's carving the, uh... Yeah, he carves the rune into the girl's forehead, and then the demon that has been, like, overlaying his face leans forward and, like, breathes the girl's soul out through the rune... Yeah, so this girl's dead. Like, I know that they fail to save people all the time, but... Mm. Which, get you get ready for that to get way worse as the show goes on. But, yes, not only did they fail to save her, but her soul is being... Devoured by the Guardians? Well, that's the thing. Like, after the Guardian eats the soul, is it just, like, gone forever? Like, with actual food that you eat? Or is it, like, in hell? I think it's gone forever, like, actual food that you eat. I think it's obliterated, like, Illyria and Angel. Mm. So, they may not have arrived in time to save random extra girl, but hey, they've arrived in time to save Daryl. Hey, it's kind of a horror movie inversion, right? That they arrived in time to save the black guy, but not the girl who, in a horror movie, would have been, like, the final girl. Assuming she wasn't the opening kill girl. You're right, you're right. She was at a rave. She was definitely the opening kill girl. So... Prue tries to stake the, because we're we're real we're real Buffy vibes this uh, this episode. Apparently, the way to defeat the Guardian Demon because they confront the girls do show up. They save Daryl. They're facing off with the human serial killer and the Guardian Demon manifests. And Prue says, "Well, according to the book, you kill them like vampires." And she tries staking him through the heart. Just real real Buffy vibes here. I feel like this is kind of some shade at Buffet because she stakes him through the heart and nothing happens. And then Phoebe's like, duh, the rune. Obviously, stake him through the rune. It's like if there's a glowing gem, maybe, like, focus on that. If it's there's a- always the glowing gem. So Prue stakes the guardian demon through the gem 
and he's like, wait, and by the way, you say steak, but it's not wood. It's yeah. She just impales him with, I think rebar and uh, Phoebe's on her boohoo. I don't have an active power uh, thing. Yeah. Cause she's like, Oh, I wish I had an active power. And Drew's like, well, I have two. So nah, 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 nah. <laughs> wait, is astral projection an active power? Yeah. Oh. I would say it's as active as Phoebe's levitation. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, he, the guardian disappears, and by the way, when he disappears, so does the knife that the serial killer was using. Wah, wah. And then Phoebe's like, ugh, when Piper gets back, I'm gonna kill her. Like, yeah. Phoebe's all honked off at Piper for leaving them and not contacting them for a month, which I guess is fair, but also... Well, I mean, that's fair in general, but it has nothing to do with you having to fight this guy in an alley. Yeah, like, that... If anything... How would Piper have changed the outcome of this? You're fine. I mean, maybe that girl wouldn't have died. Mm. No, but you didn't show up until after she was already dead, so... If anything, be pissed at Daryl for running into the alley when you told him not to. Yeah. Yeah, that girl might have lived if Daryl had listened to you. I mean, it's not Daryl's... No, I think he was chasing the guy because the guy was stalking the girl. So I think she would have died faster. In fact, honestly, I I just said blame Daryl. I think she would have died and the guy would have gotten away, so... Eh, Okay, so literally Piper's involvement would have changed nothing about this. Yes. So we have uh, the credits and then another 10,000 shots of San Francisco. But now we're doing San Francisco at night. San Francisco after dark. Sexy or spooky? Sexy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Although you say that, but we we transition from that into the the police out in that alley behind the rave, like picking up the body yeah cramming the dead girl into the trunk of the police car because they're not paying to get an ambulance i just want to point out that brad kern's credit appears over the shot of them zipping up the girl into the body bag i know that that's not on purpose but it feels <laughs> metaphorical you know like yeah we're, we're done with all of this stuff i do like that uh the emt is talking to daryl and he's like so how are you feeling headachey and daryl's like i'm fine and he's like well, you were hit on the back of the head and knocked unconscious, so no, no, you should go to the hospital because you probably need, you know, medical attention. I don't know if you know this, but generally speaking, if you're hit in the back of the head to such a degree that you become unconscious, that's bad. Yep. But yep. I mean, I know it's a TV convention and a superhero convention, honestly, like... I know, we really shouldn't complain about it, because it happens all the time. One of the things I like about Archer is that Archer acknowledges, hey, uh, it's really bad for you to be knocked unconscious this much. Also, the, Or at all, even. Yeah. Also, the running story of him getting tinnitus yeah. from... And from people shooting guns near him. Yeah. So, Prue and Phoebe have to stick around and give statements since they witnessed a crime. And... I mean, is this a first? No, they had to do this all the time back when Andy was, you know, not oh, Right, dead. Andy! Seriously, the police have to have them on so many different cases. I mean, I know this is a thing later when different organizations are trying to, you know, prove which is a real with their involvement in all of these open cases. But, like, eh. so the criminal is being, you know, 
packed in the back of the police car and he's like and they're like why why is he laughing we we caught him committing a murder and we killed the demon that was protecting him like yeah nobody's nobody's protecting him now all of the demons are gone oh who's that white it's the new district attorney cole turner okay this is this is a really on the nose demon name cole as in like cole's thing uh and turner because you know he turned away from god oh i I was gonna say because he has a demon form he turns into oh okay but yes turner like this is a real evil von evil pants name would you say it's more or less on the nose than victor von doom oh boy and it's better than coop so he comes up and he literally he's like oh ladies okay okay so how much of me liking this episode is because it's really well written and how much is me just being so happy that cole's here finally i mean yes it's great that cole is finally here but i feel like there are some shows where there's a lot of bad writing that is elevated by good actors Mm -hmm. i don't think that's the case here i think this is relatively solid writing being elevated by a good actor oh yeah this isn't really a julian mcmahon thing he's fine julian mcmahon the actor who plays cole he's he's great he's fine um i just meant i'm so excited that the cole plot which i love is getting started yes i was not expecting we get a lot of stuff in the beginning of season three like there's a lot of heavy significant stuff introduced in this episode right like i knew cole showed up but i didn't think he showed up immediately in the first episode i do like how phoebe's like we have to play it close to the vest we have to say we didn't see anything and then cole's like hey ladies i'm cole turner did anyone see anything and phoebe's like i did i did i volunteer as tribute (laughs) and cole's like Okay, I, I was I was gonna try to seduce one of the two of you, you know, for evil, and it, it looks like someone's <laughs> running right into it. So someone's jumped to the front of the line. So we cut immediately to the courthouse. The timeline in this show is really weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but we're nah. just gonna go with it. We jump to the courthouse, and they have the worst story ever. Cause Cole's like, okay, so. Why exactly did uh, an an inspector call two random women to help him out when he was hunting a murderer at a club? And they're like, because we own a club and Daryl's our friend. Yeah, he he thought we might want some some information about the rave. And he's like, well, what happened to the weapon? And they're like, I I don't know. It was, it, it was a ritual knife and it disappeared but more importantly i think phoebe uses the word athame which i mean i guess it's not out of the realm of possibility that someone would know the word athame but yeah but okay i i wasn't gonna get into it but an athame isn't actually used for uh uh, usually an athame is used to direct energy and not to draw blood or participate in a sacrifice you really should not draw blood with anathema but that's wiccanism i guess demons pervert wiccanism so i guess it would make sense for them to draw blood with anathema as okay. was pointed out in the last episode when they talk about demons using pentagrams even though they're 
Even uh, though they're Wiccan, but so they flip them upside down. Okay, all right. Yeah, I was going to say something about that, and then I wasn't, and then I did, and now I'm okay with it, so okay. Yeah, we went full circle there. Full circle. But the- Also, I love how Cole mispronounces athame. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, and you say uh, this uh, is a special kind of knife called an athume? Athome? Okay, but here's what I wanted to point out about time. He's having this discussion with them in the courtroom seconds before the trial starts. What is happening? Well, uh, there was a TV show I was really into called Ed, which never Uh got a DVD release. It was about a guy who was like a big city lawyer whose fiance cheated on him. So he moves back to his hometown and sets up a law practice in a bowling alley. Played by uh, Zach Braff's brother from Scrubs. Yes, Tom Cavanaugh. And then... Harrison Wells from uh, The Flash. Flash. I'm pretty sure that was his name. He plays like a dozen characters. And then isn't his, like, friend Michael Ian Black? Yes. The guy who, like, runs the bowling alley part of the bowling alley How is it that this show never got a DVD release? There's so many people in it. Yeah, Julie Bowen is his uh, love interest in it. Huh. And that guy with the silver hair from... uh, Mad Men. John Slatterly. Yeah, was her fiance who she ends up leaving for him later. Spoilers for the TV show, Ed. But my point was, like, there's, like, a small town Gilmore Girls section, and then there's, like, he has a case every episode, and there's a sure, sure. law section. And I hadn't watched the show in a really long time until someone uploaded a bunch of the episodes to YouTube. And I watched it, and I was like, okay, like, everything I know about law basically comes from Law & Order, but this is some of the worst law I think I've ever seen on TV. Because mm-hmm. it's basically just everyone says whatever they want all the time, and you can just introduce evidence whenever, and, like, you don't actually have to ask questions. You can just talk about random stuff. So, I mean, we, we should just let things go on TV, because TV law is... Yeah. Just like TV medicine or TV witchcraft, it's famously wrong. Um, last night I was rewatching one of my favorite sketches from the new season of I Think You Should Leave. Yeah. Which is the fedora with the safari hat flaps, the hat sketch. Yes. And as I was watching it, I was like, she should be having the witness read that into the record. She, as the attorney, shouldn't be reading it into the record. And then I was like, stop it, you're missing the point, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the sketch with the hat, which is my second favorite sketch in the new season. My After. first favorite being Dan Flashes with the shirt. I I thought I was going to die. I was laughing so hard when we watched that sketch the first time. Huh. I know you didn't like it as much as I did, but you saw how you saw my reaction to it. Yeah. I know there was a sketch in the new season that had me laughing so hard I, I was fighting for breath, but I, I honestly don't remember which one it was. That show's good. It is good. Let's get... I, I don't think the second season is as strong as the first season, but it was trying for something different, though. Yeah. Charmed. Charmed. So, yeah, we're right at the trial. Doesn't this sort of thing usually take months? I know he's... Well, this is this is an arraignment, so this is probably... They've taken him into custody, and then they have to arraign him within, you know... A small amount of time, but... Also, apparently this guy is also on different trials for different murders. I think this trial is for several murders, but... But, like, they said he was already wanted for different murders. Yeah, yeah, but he's being tried for all of them here. 
Oh, no, I guess he's not. You're right. He's only being tried for one count of murder, that, that girl, and one count of attempted murder. But they're like, oh, but we know that he killed a bunch of other people, too. Yeah, the guy pleads not guilty, and uh, and Cole stands up and he's like, this guy murdered a bunch of people. There were eyewitnesses, you know, he was, he, he murdered a lot of people. There's a lot of evidence to this. And the defense attorney stands up and he's like, ah, but they don't have the knife. Therefore, you have to let him go. Yeah, he's like, you can't very well say that there was a murder if there's no murder weapon, which just... To be clear, is not the way it works at all. And I was like, that's not the way it works. But as is pretty obvious, and as we will learn very quickly, the the defense attorney and the judge are also... Demons. So, they're... Yeah. Whatever. Also, Phoebe says very loudly in the court, Oh, please! And everyone kind of looks at her and she's like, I mean, come on, he, he clearly murdered them. And then they just keep going. I feel like maybe she should be asked to leave or something. But eh. but the judge is like, look, if you don't have the murder weapon, clearly no murder happened. So I'm just going to let this guy go. And Cole's like, that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do appreciate that Cole is like, what? What? Also, uh, Cole does. You're right. Cole says that he's the prime suspect in several other murders. I don't know why they're not trying those murders as well this whole thing makes no sense but we learned that the court is run by demons so whatever nothing matters yeah. <laughs> nothing matters the point is that he gets to walk yeah and uh cole pulls him to the side and he's like hey i i see you smiling punk but i'm gonna nail your ass to the wall and then i'm gonna nail her ass and he points to phoebe and she's like oh that was that's pretty dirty of you hmm yeah, yeah. But Daryl's like, hey, back off, man. This isn't how we do things, man. And it's like, I mean... Yeah. Eh. I mean, normally you just have your dead partner's ex-girlfriend's sister's murder, whoever you're, you know, looking for. So Daryl's close rate has to be just so bad. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back at the mansion, Phoebe's like, oh... I wish we could have just told Cole that we were witches and that's why we knew everything. That definitely would have gone well in court. And Prue's like, really? Really? And Phoebe's like, well, but what I'm really mad about is that Piper's not here. Because if Piper had been here, that would have gone down differently. I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. Whatever. She's been gone a month. You just blame her for everything. So, Prue points out like look he's gonna kill someone else again and then we get to do this all over again it's not great but yeah but technically i mean it is sort of um, it is sort of out of their jurisdiction at this point like they took care of the demon part of this oh yeah that's true i hadn't really thought about it but yeah the demon's been vanquished a moral a mortal serial killer that's up to the cops and the courts to handle yeah. they, they should be moving on to the next demon so she points out correctly that Phoebe's like, she's like, look, I know that you're all like, oh, serial killing's bad or whatever, but I know you're just horny for coal. And no, <laughs> this is actually perfect because she's like, you can't upend the rules just because you want to get laid. And look who's here. <laughs> it's Piper and Leo to illustrate that very fact. Phoebe says that she's sick of college boys and she wants a real man, which I mean, I 
on one hand, yes, I understand that. But on the other hand, like, you're not that not college-aged. I mean, I know you're going back to college as an adult, but you are the age a lot of people are when they're in college. Well, I don't think it's just about age. I think it's about, like, she, she wants to have sex on a bed that has a, a frame. frame. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Cole's, Cole's evil. He might not have a bed with a bed frame. Oh, he's got a bed with a bed frame. Does it have, like, skulls on it or iron spikes or something? Well, I'm just saying, demons definitely sleep in four-poster beds. That's just that's just known. That's just how it goes. And I... also, he probably doesn't have any demon roommates. Mm, oh, that is that is definitely true. He's a district attorney. He's... Is that one of the lawyer things where you can make money? I, I feel like no, it's... it's not. He's he's probably doing okay, but he's probably not like he, he could. I mean, be... he's probably doing pretty well because he's a demon from hell and he's been alive for quite some time. So right, right. But he could definitely be doing more. You know, if he had his own practice. You know, I I, I assume that he has money because he's a demon and he has been alive for a while, right? Like, he's a long-lived demon? Ooh, I actually don't think he has been around that long. Remember, he's only half-demon. That's true. That really doesn't come into the show enough, considering... Everything else? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's only a half-demon, so I think he is only as old as as Cole Turner is. I think he's only, you know, mid-twenties, late-twenties. Wow. He's pretty... If, If I were a demon, I would think about getting more mortals pregnant because cole's a pretty upper level demon for someone who hasn't been around that long yeah he's young and he's only half demon and spoiler he's gonna rise through the ranks to become the source of all evil like there's a thing with him i might be remembering this wrong but i i think it comes up like once where like it turns out that the reason he's working for the triad is because they're holding his father's soul hostage or something yeah there's something like that and then that just never comes up after a certain point Eh. like i think it's the sort of thing that gets i think it gets mentioned once and then just eh. yeah but whatever anyway piper and leo are back so that is the end of the will piper return from white lighter land barely a subplot and she and leo arrive fighting they're already fighting, and Piper is so irritated that she freezes him and is like, ugh, I can't even deal with him, and storms off before her sisters can even say anything to her. And they're like, rude. Very rude. Yeah, Phoebe's like, how dare she storm off before I can yell at her? And then Leo unfreezes because Piper has left, and Phoebe's like, okay, I'll yell at you. The fuck, dude? You've been gone a month! And, and then Prue's like, hey, hey, it's not his fault. I mean, yeah, it is. Who else's fault would it be? Well, I guess I guess Prue just doesn't want him to get yelled at because she wants him to go find out about the Guardians, which he immediately does. I mean, it feels sort of like they already took care of the Guardian thing. Also, when he comes back, he doesn't have any information they didn't already have. So, yeah. So Phoebe's like, okay, since... He's gone because Prue tells him, you know, go, go find out about the Guardians. And he orbs away immediately. She's like, okay, then I'm going to find Piper and yell at her because I need to yell at someone. And Prue telekinetically closes the door before she can get to it. And she... I liked that because it's like, that's Prue's thing, right? She telekinetically closes the door at the end of every season, even after she's dead. You know what? Prue kind of stepped into the Piper role. In that she's being a peacekeeper. In that she's being a peacekeeper and 
Piper kind of stepped into the Prue role in that she's the one who's like aggro and apparently takes care of everything because apparently she's been the one who's been paying the bills and stuff and that's why everything's falling to shit when she's gone for a month. So I think what actually happened is Prue absorbed Phoebe's role, right? She's the studious one now. And as we pointed out, Phoebe didn't get anything in exchange for that, although she does still have her lovelorn thing. Mm -hmm. And she... She's given up on love. And Prue took Piper's peacekeeper thing and just left Piper with the I don't want to be a witch, I'm angry all the time thing. And then when Prue dies... That goes nowhere. So all we have is one lovelorn sister and one angry sister and then Paige. A, and then Paige. And then Paige, who never gets a personality. So, uh... Well, she never gets a consistent personality. She burns through a lot of personality. She's basically whatever the episode needs. But we'll get to her at some point. So, Prue follows Piper to uh, P3... P3. Woo, Some nice alliteration there. Yeah. And Piper's like, what the fuck? Why, why do we not have any booze? Why are we out of literally everything? I've been gone for a day. And Prue's like, no, you were gone for a month. And Piper's like, look at today's newspaper. <laughs> God. And Piper's like, A, really? A month? Really? I'm going to kick, I'm going to kick Leo right in his balls. Also, orbs. <laughs> also... You didn't think to reorder anything? You are also owners of this club. We're all very invested in this doing well. Does nothing happen when I'm gone? Okay, so remember when she ordered all of that fruit from... Yeah, the, the place that nearly got her killed. All the illegal fruit. Yeah, remember when she ordered all of that illegal fruit just to use as a garnish? Mm-hmm. So, I assume that... It's not that they didn't order, it's that they ordered a normal amount instead of the, like, weird, too much stuff that Piper usually orders. She did also, they had that thing where she accidentally got, like, what was it, like, a, th a, a ton of napkins, like, way more napkins than she needed. Too many straws. Straws. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Nah. <laughs> I mean, at least with straws, it's not like they go bad. That's what we said. The fruit thing was ridiculous, though. So, yeah, Piper's all like, sorry, it's been a long day slash two months, but Leo's battling his own demons. Also, the bare naked ladies are supposed to perform. And the prom's tomorrow. <laughs> the yeah. bare naked ladies. Yeah, she's like, wait, so did anyone make sure that they were showing up? Because, you know, I, I booked them right before I got juped away. Has anyone followed up with them at all? And Prue's like... Um, I think we have other things to talk about, like the demon that we think that we killed. Eh. I mean, maybe she knows that it's too early in the episode for that to be taken care of. I guess so. I guess so. But. So the upshot of going to White Letter Land is that the elders are not keen on Piper and Leo hooking up, especially she says after everything that happened with her mother, but her mother's death had nothing to do with the White Lighter, unless they know about Paige, and what they really want is to not create a bunch of powerful half-witch, half-White Lighters that can come up and overthrow the Elders, and actually that's exactly what they're worried about. Anyway, the Elders said they can't be together anymore, and Piper's not happy about that. I mean, I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility that you could blame, uh... Sam. For, you know, 
Patty's death. I mean, it's not it's not super on him, and honestly, it's just like he I guess he kind of distracted her when she was fighting the water demon. But I mean, really, it's just that Patty didn't have a good power for going up against a water demon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, her her plot her plan was basically to like Ele- electrocute it. Well, I mean. I feel like there's no way that that goes down without her dying. Right? This is the sort of thing you should have sent grams out for because she could do what Prue did and just telekinetically put the battery on the water demon. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, they didn't have all of the powers until the charmed ones, but just because their mother and daughter are not sisters doesn't mean they can't work together. Huh. Although, honestly, I feel like I would, I feel like I would never send Patty out on stuff. I would always send Grams out, because Grams, that one demon that she sealed the girl's powers, you know, to protect them from a side. Like, Grams took the Wookiee out by herself. Like, Grams was a pretty powerful she witch. She was a much more powerful witch than Patty. Yeah, definitely. So... But yes, they can't be together because there's a rule against white lighters and witches dating after their mom, you know, ate it. So at the college, we get, I think, I feel like this is an iconic scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Phoebe is walking, you know, she's walking across campus when suddenly someone grabs her from behind and she swings around and she, he yaws at him, you know, does a high kick and it's Cole, and he grabs her leg, and he's like, ooh, nice leg. And she's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he catches her ankle. This is actually the shot that Peacock uses as the episode illustration. Mm. I, I I, just, I don't know, seeing Cole catch her leg like that, that feels um, iconic. Iconic, yeah. Like when uh, when Buffy reaches over and crushes the, the metal pitcher. So, yeah, Cole's like, hey, um... I just wanted to see if you could help me get this guy in jail by uh, going on a date with me. I don't know. Yeah, he's like, look, I feel like I don't have enough information to put the guy in jail. So I was thinking maybe we could go out and talk about stuff you might have, you know, overlooked when we were talking earlier. And also, like, maybe what your big secret is, because clearly you have a big secret. Maybe tell me your secret. Yeah. He's like, I can sense that you're not telling me everything. I have a sense that there's something you're holding back. And she's like, oh, I've got secrets that would rattle your drawers and flip over your car. They're sexy talking is what I'm getting at. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yep. Yep. Sexy talking. Phoebe's like, so you're, you're trying to seduce me, huh? You're trying to seduce me. And Cole's like, is it working? She's like, it's not not working. She's like, I sense a hung jury oh dear she actually says that i'm not that one that one's that one's not me making it up yeah and he's like well here's my card uh if you you know think of anything you might want to tell me or show me give me a ring and so he, i i do like how he's i know this is just because it's not a thing that happens in tv all, all that often but i like how he's like bye and then he turns around <laughs> and leaves because it feels like people don't actually end conversations that is true i thought you were going to point out that she checks out his ass when he walks away even though it is the year 2000 which means that he is wearing a suit that is way too big as was the style at the time yeah yeah <laughs> so like... really what she's checking out 
is all of that fabric that you can see nothing underneath. Yeah, yeah, like, I get what they were going for, but you aggressively cannot see Cole's ass. Like, they should have just kept it with seeing the shot of her checking him out and not shown us what it looked like. What the invisible ass was like. (laughs) Exactly. So, not when she gets his card, but as she's holding his card as he's walking away, she gets a premonition. Yeah, she sees Cole murdered with the rune carved into his head. (gasps) So, how would that I was gonna ask you that! I mean, we know he does have a soul. We know demons have souls, because that's what goes to the weird underground Tremors place. Yeah, but was he going to be taken out by a mortal serial killer? Embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Imagine dying and going to hell and having to be like, yeah, a human took me out. Oh, was it a witch? No, just a human. Just a guy with a knife. So would he go to the, he'd go to the wasteland still, right? Yeah, he would have still gone to the, no, because his soul would have been obliterated. Right. So he just would have... So there would have been no coal. Coal would have gone nowhere. And then Balthazar, the demon part of him, would have been back in hell like, Oops, sorry, my human half is dead. Wait. Does he have, like, a... I, I would have assumed that his human soul and his demon soul are the same. Like, it's a half human, half demon soul. And all of it would have been destroyed. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Guardians would have just had some, like, serious heartburn. They would have been like, Oh, I think I ate a demon. <laughs> yep, that's how it would have gone down. Demon souls are spicier. <laughs> yeah. So Phoebe runs into uh, P3. And she's like, I had a premonition, Piper and Prue. And hopefully nobody else in this club. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not open now, but Piper does have other people working for her. Right? And also, like, maybe she's on the phone with the manager of the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. And Piper's like, wait, hey. who's Cole and why are you blonde now? Blonde. Eh. I mean, she's blonde-ish. She lightened her hair. She lightened her hair. And Phoebe's like, maybe if you had stuck around, you would know why I'm blonde and who Cole is. And Piper's like, how long are they gonna milk this it was barely a plot so in the judge's office okay so you you mentioned this when we were watching it they do the thing where he's like in shadow and we don't know who the serial killer is talking to and then he leans out of the shadows and it's the judge and it's like the judge is in on it even though it's clearly the judge's office yeah so i don't know what they were doing there but the guy's like, look, the serial killer's like, look, I need another guardian demon because, you know, my last one got all blowed up and uh, apparently I can't just murder on my own. So, well, what do you think? Well, he's like, I'm going to get caught again because I've been being really sloppy because I had a demon protecting me. And the judge is like, you know what? Fine, you can have another demon, but this is the last one, mister. Then Cole and we, we, we cut to Cole and Daryl having a dick measuring contest for no reason. Now, I, I need to throw this out there. Cole says we let a murderer go free today. So all of this happened today. It was court in the morning. The, <laughs> yeah, the see, all the scenes we've seen in the, in the manor, Piper and Leo coming back, Cole running down Phoebe at school. 
Okay, it's, I it's, guess. It's not entirely unfeasible. But, like, Cole's like, I need your help to help me put a murderer behind bars. And Gerald's like, I don't like you. I don't like your methods. I think you're suspicious as hell. And Cole's like... Cole's like, I think it's kind of suspicious that you called the Hallowells at 2 o'clock in the morning when you were tracking a serial killer. Yeah, I think it's weird you called two random women to help you out with the serial killer. Uh, What's the deal with that? Daryl's like, they own a club. Checkmate. <laughs> like, that somehow explains it. Oh, I like pasta because my house is made of bricks. Yeah, bricks are red, therefore I like red sauce. I don't see what you're not getting here. So. Yeah, yeah. Cole's like, but seriously, we're on the same side. I'm trying to put the serial killer away, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really make sense. Please help me. And Gerald's like, you just want to look good in front of your lawyer buddies. You don't actually care about justice, which is a weird take, but okay, dude. Uh whatever anyway so cole gets a call on his cell phone and it's phoebe and he's like oh speak of the devil speak of the devil wink wink and yeah like stop winking at me dude but also like because he's the one who's the demon yeah Yeah. it's cute yeah they do play that kind of close to the vest i guess i mean he comes off as a normal not nor he comes off as your basic charmed love interest for most of the episode that's true that's true it's only in retrospect that it's like oh he's a demon so phoebe's like hey cole can you do me a favor and not go to any like parking structures for the next few minutes not because i saw you getting murdered in a parking structure but like we're coming to pick you up so we can go on a date or something. Just don't go into a parking structure. But he can't hear her because she's calling on a cell phone. So he's like, "Yeah, I'll see you later." And then he goes into the parking structure. I'll see you later. I have to go get my car out of a parking structure. And then we get one of the shots from like the opening credits when Cole joins the opening credits of him walking through the parking structure and then he turns around because he can sense the serial killer and the camera kind of pivots around him it's a really good shot yeah you know i didn't appreciate it when we were first watching it but it is a good shot we can we see the serial killer moving behind him as the camera goes around him in a circle and then even though the guy's got a knife he hits him in the back of the head to knock him out well i guess that's what he has to do because he has to carve the little rune into his forehead yeah I guess he still needs to be alive before he gets killed or i think he has to be alive while you're carving the rune because remember, he knocked Daryl out before he killed him, too. So, yeah. And then Prue just hits him with her car. <laughs> yeah! I, I love how Prue... There is a very good chance that she would have hit Cole. But... I... Yeah. But she hits the guy, but he's got a new demon, so he's fine. The two of them jump out of the car, and Phoebe runs to do a, uh, you a, know... A kick. A kick, and... It is active power time for Phoebe. Yep, she flies up to the ceiling, which is actually not helpful right now because, you know, she actually it actually takes her out of the range. And it's Prue with her active power who has to throw him into the, you know, into a car. And then the Guardian jumps out. I don't the, know why the... The, why the do, Guardian manifests. Why do these Guardians keep manifesting? You're just going to get staked through the road. Yeah, Phoebe's Which like, is what happens. Yeah, Phoebe's like, I've got an active power. I've got an active power. 
And then the, the Guardian pops out, and she's like, but not that active, which... Okay, can, let, let, let's let's pause and talk about Phoebe's active power for a second. Yeah? Wait, you're the one who was always defending it to me! Okay, go ahead. I, I, I was, because honestly, I feel like it kind of sucks. It totally sucks! I was defending her using it for kicking. Yes, like, yes! I feel like, yeah, maybe it, it makes her kick stronger because she has, like... Because I know part of it's being grounded or whatever. Yeah, okay, because you, you were arguing that, when we were talking about it off mic, you were arguing that when she's levitating, she's still grounded as though she was standing on solid ground, so her kicks still have that kind of energy behind them. Yeah. Whereas I was imagining her up on wires and her kicks having, like, no force behind them. Yeah, but we have to assume that there's force sending her up, so. Okay. So I get it, making her kick stronger, although honestly it kind of should make it so that she just breaks her foot whenever she kicks anyone. That's what I'm- yeah, okay. But also, I feel like it doesn't super make sense as an expansion of her power set. I feel like it's kind of a random secondary power, and also, while it's technically an active power- it really doesn't feel useful ever. I mean, she's still just kicking. It's well, still yeah, her, just kicking. Even even if it's active, even if it's helpful when she's fighting, it's only helpful for her because she took up kickboxing. Yeah. And, you know, none of the secondary powers... Wait, that's not true. Uh, Prue and Phoebe's secondary powers don't relate to their primary power, and that's... That, that bugs me a little. Like, astral projection has nothing to do with the telekinesis, and levitation has nothing to do with premonition. It's... And I know we've said this before, it would make more sense if they got the opposite ones. If Phoebe had astral projection, that feels more related to her precognition. Prue having levitation would feel like an expansion of her telekinesis. I mean, I guess to be fair, having a diamond form doesn't have a lot to do with being able to read minds, but, you know. Well, I mean... Emma Frost got her secondary mutation from Colossus being dead and then wanting someone with that power set. Yeah, yeah. And then being like, well, what, who would look the coolest turning into a diamond? (laughs) Obviously the Ice Queen. But, I, I, I don't hate Phoebe's levitation, but her being like, ooh, I have an active power now. Kind of, I guess. Yeah. It it feels like if you were gonna give her levitation, you might as well have gone all in and given her flight. Come on. I I think it had to have been budgetary. Yeah. And also, it makes sense that they are going to take it away. Again, I feel like that's budgetary. It just, it feels like a random thing, because you're choosing something that's expensive and not helpful. Like, there had to have been cheaper, better options. I... Not to go to the reboot, because the reboot has its own issues, but, like, maybe something telepathy-based? Yeah, exactly. When they were sitting around the table, like, brainstorming what her idea could have been. Like, why not a psychic blast? That's easy to film! Yeah. Uh, Look at Heroes. All they had to do was zoom in on what's-his-face, like, putting his hand near his temple and narrowing his eyes. It's the cheapest special effect ever. But... Eh. whatever so so yeah cole by the way was 
unconscious, so luckily he didn't see them take out this demon. Mm. Back at the manor, uh, Leo is in the bathroom practicing his engagement speech to the mirror. Yeah, he's, he's going to propose to Piper. He's building up to this whole speech that Piper can hear because... Uh, this is one of the established bathrooms, right? Yes. This is one of the... I know, uh, I know we've had our fair share of bathroom talk, but this is one of the established bathrooms. I wonder if they stick with the established bathrooms for the rest of the show. I guess we'll have to pay attention to that. Yeah. It's the upstairs one, I think. This is the upstairs bathroom. This is the upstairs bathroom that's not attached to any bedroom. I don't know if any bathrooms are attached to any bedrooms, but I feel like that has to be what's going on with the bathroom situation. Hmm. I just want to point out that last week on Welcome to the Uncharted Territories, we had a scene where Dargo was practicing his proposal speech to a DRD. Mm. And now we have Leo practicing his engagement speech to the mirror. And Piper walks into the room. She's like, pretty narcissistic of you, huh, Leo? Ooh, I can't live without you. I mean, she's teasing him. She knows that he was practicing it for her. And she's like, hey, did you find out about the Guardians? And he's like, uh, no, I didn't actually go talk to the elders yet. I was practicing asking you out instead asking you to marry me right sorry sorry asking you to marry me because if we get married then we're like joined in the eyes of god and the elders basically we go over the elders heads i do like this i do this is something they're pulling from the horsemen of the apocalypse episode which again was not a good episode but it did establish that there's always a bigger fish when it comes mm-hmm. to forces of the universe. And if they get married, if they have a holy union, then there's nothing the elders can do to stop them from being together. I do like that as a solution. Yeah. Which. They're really introducing a lot of stuff really early in the season, which I do like. Uh, I. Well, not to jump ahead, but next episode's going to be the secret wedding. But not, you know, the successful secret right, wedding. Right, right, right. But, it, because the last season was good. Season two is really, really solid, but also it was, you know, Monster of the Week stuff. We're actually getting into building mythology here. Well, when we sat down to watch this episode and I, like, pulled it up on, on Peacock, mm-hmm. I was... Uh, I saw, you know, I I glanced down and I saw that the next episode is the Secret Wedding episode. And I was like, oh, am I on season four instead of season three by mistake? And I was like, oh, no, that all happens way faster than I remember it happening. Well, remember, uh, Prue is there for Piper's wedding. Because she astral projects with that biker guy. Oh, yes, you're right. I did. I was forgetting that. Yeah, of course. They have to be married before. Before. (sighs) Dang. I I guess it would be more... Anyway, Piper's like, no, we can't get married. It'll make the elders so mad. And Leo's like, no, we're, we're yeah, going to circumvent the elders. Yeah, but... yeah, they'll be mad, but they won't be able to do anything about it. That's the point. And Piper's like, so the whole reason you want to get married is so that we can circumvent the elders, not because you love me. And Leo's like, no, no, I, I do love you. I love you and I do want to marry you. But also as a bonus, we could still be together, you know. And she's like, I can't believe you proposed to me in a bathroom. And he's like, I would try to get you to come downstairs into the really pretty solarium. And you were like, no, tell me what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, come on. Come on, Piper. I mean, I guess there's a big culture around proposals. That's that's a big thing. 
Yeah. Which, it doesn't feel like it should be. But... Okay, so we, so I was rewatching the Gilmore Girls, and I just got to the end, and spoilers for the end of Gilmore Girls, which ended like 15 years ago, but in the end, Logan proposes to Rory, and she turns him down, and that's how that ends. Mm-hmm. But he proposes to her at like a big party with her whole family there, and she's like put on the spot, and I'm like, oh, I could barely watch it. It was so cringy. I was like, do not do that. Because you're either going to pressure her into saying yes because she's in front of all of these people, or it's going to be super embarrassing for both of you because she's going to say no, which is what actually happens. Oh, don't do that. Which, see, that's the thing. Like, there's this weird pressure to do something big, but also doing something big in and of itself is sort of emotionally manipulative. But also, like, they're... Because you hear stories about people who are mad because they don't have good engagement stories. Mm-hmm. And it's like... <sighs> well, I think it comes down to knowing the person you're going to propose to, right? Like, if you haven't already had a discussion about the possibility of getting married and it's just the proposal that's a surprise, like the timing of it and the way of it, that's one thing. But if it's out of nowhere for the person, that's... That's not okay. Like, I think about Lindy West, the writer. Mm -hmm. Uh, She specifically told her longtime boyfriend at the time, you know, I want a big splashy proposal when you do it. I want you to do it in front of my family and friends. And so he did. And that's fine. That's the way it should be. But, like, yeah. Otherwise, just putting someone on the spot that you don't know is going to say yes to you. Yeah, there was a uh, Am I the Asshole post. I'm... I'm not on Reddit because Reddit, but uh, I, I do follow several, sure. uh, you know, Twitters that take things from that. And there was a, am I the asshole about this guy who uh, proposed to his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And uh, she said yes, but then she asked him to redo it in a splashier way. Okay. And he's like, I felt like I did it in a significantly big way like her her friends and family were there and she wants to redo it and it feels really weird and i and she got mad at me when i was like i'm not sure that like everyone knows we already did it and she's like well i want you to do it again until it feels right and he's like i don't feel comfortable doing that ada and i'm like that's a storyline on on, at the end of who's the boss you think they took that from Who's the Boss? I do. I do. I don't like to shout fake at things. And obviously that there's lots that, you know, that, that could almost certainly be real. But I remember seeing that when I was a kid watching Who's the Boss. That's a storyline. Well, that was also a thing in Scrubs. Remember Turk proposed to Carla multiple times because it just kept on not feeling right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I so remember that. It, it could just be a thing that happens in real life. I guess. But honestly, I feel like it should be more of a conversation. I'm not a big thing, but... Unless you want it to be a big thing. Although there are lots of... They're funny depending on how you feel about certain things. There's a lot of very funny public rejections of proposals on YouTube. I mean, whenever I need a laugh, I watch the video of the woman breaking the ukulele <laughs> that the guy was using to sing a proposal to her. Uh, my favorite one is the, the woman who starts wailing on him with the flowers that he oh. uh, gave her. But then, okay, so my favorite surprise proposal, though... Mm-hmm is the woman who is really really into the, jane the austen yes yeah <laughs> oh 
And she just came home and her sisters opened the door dressed in Regency gowns and they're like, you must hurry, Mr. Darcy has come to Longbourn. <laughs> That's cute. That is cute. Anyway, the speaking point... Of, the... Speaking of a couple whose love is just as epic as Elizabeth <laughs> and Mr. Darcy... <laughs> Leo and Piper. <laughs> yeah, Leo's like, hey, you saw in the future that we're married. And it's like... You, you were divorced in the future. <laughs> right? You were divorced and Phoebe got burned at the stake. So clearly there's a lot of stuff from that future that you don't want to happen. But... Uh, whatever. Anyway, Piper doesn't want to do it. It doesn't feel right to get married, to, to get sneaky married, even though the whole point of getting sneaky married is it's how they can be together. She also points out, she's like, is it really a holy union if we're just doing it to get around rules? Which is an interesting take, but I mean, I, I would imagine it would still be a holy union. Or... I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I feel like it's in Good Omens where uh, Azraphael is like, God isn't a rules lawyer. And, and Crowley is like, have you read this thing? Yes, he is. <laughs> so Prue comes in and she's like, Hey, Leo, what did you find out from the elders? And Leo's like, oops, and orbs out. Because <laughs> he found out nothing. He was just sneaking around the elders' library or whatever, I guess, looking for ways around this. I guess. Listen, though, orbing away is the best uh, superpower for getting out of awkward conversations. <laughs> so, in the interrogation room, Daryl and Cole are getting ready to interrogate the guy, but... Okay, I'm Okay. At this point I shouldn't even be criticizing like how the justice system is working because it's completely run by demons, but Cole absolutely is not allowed to be prosecuting for his own attempted murder. I it's a little cinematography thing, but I really like how the conversation between Daryl and Cole is shot to make Daryl tower over Cole because Doran Gregory is a you know, he's a tall guy, but it, it's shot to emphasize that Daryl is this big man and Cole is not. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like Cole's interrogation of the guy because it starts to let on what Cole is. And Cole's like, hey, um, you got two demons killed in one or two days, depending on how time works. Do you think they're going to keep giving you demons? He doesn't say this in so many words. He's like, look. I know that someone is protecting you, but I also know that you keep on screwing up and eventually whoever is protecting you is going to think, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I should find someone else that doesn't need that much, that much protection. And the guy's like, meh, 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 that much protection. And Cole just grabs him by the back of the head and slams him onto the table. And Daryl's like, eh, eh, eh. That's not how we do things here. You can only do that once per interview. <laughs> okay, wait. Before he slams his head down, though, he he pushes two fingers against the guy's neck like he's feeling his pulse. I didn't really understand what we're supposed to be seeing there, what he's doing. Yeah, I or was that... that either. Okay. So, you don't know either. I, maybe it was just an intimidation thing. Mm. But it, it felt like he was feeling his pulse, like he was checking if this guy was a human or a demon. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. So, Cole leaves because he's not allowed to beat this guy up anymore. And if he's not allowed to beat him up, then he has nothing to do here. This is later why Cole will not be a very good, uh... He, he very, very briefly tries working at a social services place and almost immediately throws a guy through a window. Yep, yep. Cole, Cole's not great at this sort of thing. 
Back at the manor, Piper is all sad because Leo proposed to her. And her sisters are like, that's a good thing, marry him. And she's like, no, you don't understand. There's all this politics. And they're like, but I mean, you love him, right? And she's like, yeah, I love him. And they're like, then shut up and marry him. She's like, marriage isn't about politics and getting around rules. And they're like, yeah, it is. That's what marriage is. Marriage is like the thing that you're supposed to do so that you can fuck. Like, that's... That's that's what marriages have been about ever since it stopped being about consolidating property. Yeah. And Phoebe and Prue tell her that, you know, they have a an epic love. They have a love that will burn throughout the ages. They have a love that the two of them wish that they could know because they both just want what she has with Leo so much. Okay, so when you say that what they have is an epic love, mm-hmm. that of course makes me think of... Uh, Logan Eccles and Veronica Mars, because that's what he says in his famous speech to her. And I have to say, I know Logan Eccles and Veronica Mars. Logan Eccles and Veronica Mars are a ship of mine. And you, my friends, are no Logan Eccles and Veronica Mars. Well, not to go to the well that we go to just so, 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 so often. But I feel like there are literally multiple attempts at a Buffy slash Angel style romance and charms because you have the whole forbidden thing a couple of ways you have it with you know you have it with both angels and demons yeah so there there's a lot of uh biting Buffy Stelio here I think I mean they didn't come up with that that's obviously been a thing since time began yes since we told stories about love we told stories about forbidden love but this just feel directly like you know we want to be Buffy yeah well, I mean, especially with the weird vampire shade here. Yeah, and Alyssa Milano's new blonde hair. Ooh, yeah, of course. Huh. Huh. Anyway. Also, the fact that this episode is way more at night than I feel like Charmed usually is. Okay, so they specifically say that they have to go to the next arraignment at night court. And I'm like... Is what? this still the same day? Why? Why? It is the same day. And why is he being arraigned in night court? That doesn't... I mean, I... Eh, whatever. The justice system is run by demons. It happens. So, they do a slow motion... Not slow motion, but they... They, they do, do a, a hero dr- walk. They do a hero walk down a hallway, which, again, I know is not necessarily a Buffy thing, but... It, it does... Well, it feels like it was a hero walk specifically done for the opening credits, even though I don't think it is in the opening credits, but, you know... Piper asks Phoebe about her hair as they're walking, you know, down the thing. She's like, I just wanted to change my luck. Scoot. Which, do are blondes luckier? Is that a thing? Blondes have more fun! They have more fun. Do they have more luck? Oh, I don't know. So at the trial, again, I know, justice system run by demons. But at the trial, the defense attorney is like, why are you harassing my client? And Cole's like, because he tried to kill me! It's not harassment if your client keeps on committing crimes in public and people keep catching him. He's like, he's like, he tried to kill me and there were witnesses. And the defense attorney's like, oh, the same witnesses who saw him try to kill that cop. And it's like, yes. So Phoebe leans over to Piper and she's like, hey, can you freeze everyone who's not possessed by a demon? Like, can you do a specific freeze like that? And Piper's like, just freeze the innocence. Yeah, just freeze the innocence. And Piper's like, I guess, maybe, sure, why not? I, I can give it a shot. Here's the thing that's so strange. Like, I, I don't 
I don't want to bag on this because it's it's fine. It gets us to the end here. And and I do like what it reveals to us, the audience. And it does seem like Piper should be able to do that with her powers. But this is a pretty big expansion that she's able to do with very little warning. Mm. Mm. I feel like this isn't her secondary power. But honestly, I feel like Piper, now that Phoebe's not doing stuff with her premonitions anymore now that she's not trying to like hold on them or do this then the other mm-hmm. i feel like piper kind of experiments the most with her powers piper and piper uses her powers the most like she freezes people just because she's irritated and wants to like vent yeah i'm kind of surprised she didn't end up getting her secondary power sooner but i mean she does a lot of really different stuff with her primary power so I mean, you could argue that her secondary power isn't even a secondary power. It's just her learning to use freezing it's so a, much that it becomes blasting. Yeah. Because freezing is stopping the molecules in a person's body, right? And blasting is just speeding them up until they explode. So it's really all one power set. Mm. Yeah, so you could argue she never gets a secondary power. Yeah, yeah, because her exploding power is also triggered by the same gesture. Uh-huh. Huh. Huh. Anyway, she does it. She freezes only the innocents so that the demons are active and they can go attack the demons. I like how they think it doesn't work at first because the defense attorney's still talking and the judge is still like, hmm, good point. And then the, and she's like, oh, I guess it didn't work. And then they realize that Leo and Cole are not moving and Daryl and they're like, oh, everyone's a demon. Oops. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, it's like, I always thought that there should be a story about the rapture, where the rapture happens, but only, like, three people get taken up to heaven, <laughs> so nobody knows about it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like that's how the rapture should go, right? That one would think. Well, I'm Catholic, so I don't believe in the rapture, but yeah. It's like you're, it's like you're mocking Chuck Austin right to his face. I know I need to let Holy the X-Men storyline Holy War go. But the fact that it is an X-Men storyline that relies entirely on Catholics believing in the rapture. (laughs) Like, I feel like if that was the crux of your story, you would Google if Catholics believe in the rapture. (laughs) Because the story is about triggering a false rapture with exploding communion wafers. Oh my god. I know. I mean, I do know that, but oh my god. Anyway. The girls run because... The demons are not frozen, and apparently Piper can't freeze them now, because she, like... You get inoculated against freezing if a freeze happens? I think presumably she could stop what she's doing right now and freeze them, but it would involve, like, unfreezing... Unfreezing the innocents and then refreezing. Exactly. Which I think would be a worthwhile thing to do, but... (laughs) But then we wouldn't have a chase through the courthouse, which is what happens. Yes, so everyone in the court is a demon. So many demons. Like, cause you, you said the judge and the defense attorney, but it's also like... The audience. The audience are demons. Several people in the audience are demons, which makes sense because, you know what, I was just bagging on them for doing the night court thing, but now I realize the reason that he was being arraigned in night court is because all of the people being arraigned, have, it's been arranged that all of the demons that have been arrested are being arraigned in front of the demon judge so that he can let them go. That makes sense. Okay. Complaint retracted. So the girls run into an empty room. They barricade the door. The judge is throwing fireballs. People are trying to kick it down. 
and Prue's like, okay, are you when when everyone's ready, I'm gonna open the door and then we have to kung fu fight all of these people. And Piper's like, What are you talking about? When since when do we kung fu fight people? I mean I know I know Phoebe does, but when has that ever been my thing? And Prue's like Prue's like, We're Buffy now, deal with it. We're Buffy now, <laughs> deal with it. The guy comes at like she she blasts open the door with her telekinesis. She's telekinetically throwing people. Piper is having fisticuffs with the murderer, and I'm like, this is really not a Piper thing. Although I do like they paired Piper up with the murderer who is being protected by demons, but not a demon himself. Mm. So it makes sense that she would be able to do that with her less training. Meanwhile, Phoebe is just, this is, this is really... I mean, Prue does a flip. Prue does a wall flip, which... Mm. I know I've said it so many times, but this is really where it feels like we're turning into this wants to be Buffy way more than it had at any point previously. Yeah. Because normally it's, you know, holding hands and chanting, pointing at stuff. She actually does say when she's getting, when Prue is getting ready to blast through the door and she's like, we're going to fight them. She says to, uh, she says to Phoebe, don't hold my hand because she knows they're going to run and fight. So yeah, she's actively being like, that's not what we do anymore. Okay. So they beat everyone up and the judge sucks all of the guardians out of the people back into himself and then casually strides back into his quarters. And then we see Cole move. Okay. Okay. I know it's not functionally different from blinking, but this is the introduction of the higher level demon teleportation, Shimmering. Mm-hmm. And Shimmering is so much cooler than Blinking, even though they are functionally the same power. I thought we were going to talk about how powerful he is. That he was mid-sentence, mid-arm sweep, and he had the willpower to stand there frozen <laughs> without <laughs> the aid of being actually frozen. Point. Yes. <laughs> so Cole shimmers into the judge's you know chambers and the judge is like wait you're a demon and cole says a much better demon than you are buddy and just yeah sets him on fire he sets him on fire he shimmers back to position in the courtroom and the girls run into the chambers and the judge is on fire and they're like huh i have no (laughs) follow-ups that was a gimme and then they're like damn what are we gonna tell cole what are they going to tell Cole? Uh, so Phoebe picks up the bailiff's baton and hits Cole in the back of the head, knocking him unconscious, which, again, like, this guy's been unconscious so much. And then... I mean, this is basically that one scene from Community where they knock out the security <laughs> guard with chloroform, and then they pretend that they got chloroformed, and they're like, oh no, how did we all get chloroformed when he woke up? I mean, yes, that is exactly what this is, except this time it works. Yeah, they're like, um... Phoebe's like, yeah, Emilio just like, uh... The serial killer. Yes, the serial killer. He just, uh, he, he, he went crazy <laughs> and then Daryl knocked everyone out because he's a superhero. And Daryl's like, oh, I'm fine. I, f- I feel like Daryl should be in more trouble for knocking out everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, the defense attorney and all of the other people in the court, Daryl just punched everyone. Don't think about it. I do like though Phoebe says, are you mad? And Cole says, no, it's not my nature. Uh, I love that. Oh my God. I can't believe that you are groaning at that. So we cut to P3, the bare naked ladies. Ladies are... and gentlemen, 
The Bare Naked Ladies. Oh yeah, it's one of their songs. Not their big song, but one that you probably recognize. I think it got some radio play. But as you said, not the not the main one. Look at some awkward, awkward dancing. I mean, I know it's always awkward dancing because, yeah, yeah. But yep, it's the Bare Naked Ladies. You can probably buy this uh, song on the WB website. Oh yeah, probably. And then Phoebe and Prue are like, wow, Piper, you got the Bare Naked Ladies to come play. And she's like, well, yeah, I had set it up before everything happened. I just had to call them and confirm. That's not like... It's not a huge thing. Because they're... And Phoebe's like, I couldn't even get Barry Manilow. And I was like, you would be lucky to get Barry Manilow. I feel like even even at this time period, he would be a big get for a club. Okay. I know not this kind of club, but... So this is like a weird question. Yes. But... Is that a shot at Angel? No, no, because because we, we weren't there yet. Lauren had not appeared on Angel yet at this point in time. Mm. But on Night Court, Harry was obsessed with Barry Manilow. Was huh. this like a Night Court reference? Maybe. That would be too weird, right? That, that, that might be a bridge too far. Okay. Maybe, but pro- probably not, but Maybe. Anyway, they're all like, man, Cole sure is a great guy, isn't he? Yeah, Cole's so wonderful. Everyone loves Cole. Yay, Cole. And then Leo comes in and Phoebe's like, so you gonna marry him? And Piper's like, nope, definitely not gonna marry this guy. Wah, wah. Also, I mean, I, I can't keep saying this, but Leo entering the club feels really every time Angel entered the bronze yeah, well, they do, it, it is really set up like that, especially because they have that, that moment where they're alone in a crowd, where Piper goes up to him to kind of talk to him about what's happening. And Piper's like, you know what, I was thinking about it, and I know I was all like, no, no, I'm not gonna marry you, because marriage needs to be about love and stuff, and then I nearly got murdered by demons earlier tonight, and I was like, and I was thinking, man, I wish Leo was getting murdered right next to me. She's like, I don't want to die unmarried. So, yeah, let's get married. No, I mean... I mean... I, I, I don't want to die not being married to you. That's that's fine. Yeah. I don't want to die, like... I don't want to die alone and unloved like certain other sisters I could mention. Damn! So cold, Rex! Does Prue get any love interest this season outside of the guy her astral self was dating who ruins Piper's wedding? I don't think so. Dang, she should have married that criminal who was not a demon but was like all in with the demons. He was hot. Do you think that maybe they couldn't get that guy back and that's why they had the biker guy? Yes, 100% I think that. But she... It was Antonio Sabato Jr., yeah. yeah. They couldn't get him back. That's 100% what I think. But Piper's like, you know what? I will marry you. And then they kiss in the middle of the club and the episode ends. So I, I feel like we might have talked around it a little bit, but this was a... And I know we've made a lot of comparisons to Buffy. Well, but, I mean, they were invited. Yeah. We were invited to make a lot of comparisons to Buffy. But this was a really strong season opener. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like what I'm going to say is going to be like a backhanded compliment to Charmed, but... Being closer to Buffy isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a... It's sort of a double-edged sword thing, but... Yeah, you don't want to be too derivative, but, you know, 
who doesn't love an awesome backflip fight scene in a courthouse where you take out a bunch of demons? Oh, I was going the opposite. Like, I like that they're stealing the, you know, longer plot, more involved romance thing. I don't love that it's kung fu fighting from now on. I ah. don't love that. Well, and as I as I mentioned earlier, I'm just so happy to see Cole. I'm so psyched for Cole. Cole is awesome. Cole is the strongest storyline this show has. Uh, on, honestly, I, I know this is like a, also kind of a repilot. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, we talked about it, you know, last episode, but this one really, really is. But it's also head and shoulders above the first episode of season two. The whole Abraxas is deleting all of the spells from the book in the oh, first Oh, God, order. I forgot how terrible that episode was. Oh. Like, like and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of stuff in that episode that feels Constance and Burgie, but it didn't really land, even though she is the stronger creator, in my opinion, and I believe yours. Mm-hmm. But... This is really Brad Kearney, and it's stronger. You know what what I'm going to say? I'm going to say that Brad Kern hasn't completely taken over yet, so we don't have the kind of... And the things that I disliked in this episode were Brad Kern hallmarks, like stripping the girls of a lot of their depth. Yeah. And we haven't gotten into, like, the really egregious things that he does in in that manner. So, I don't know, maybe if Constance and Birch had had a chance to do this plot line, I would have liked it even better. Yeah, we we are sort of stripping the sisterhood from the show a little bit here. I mean, as I said, we start with them separated. Yeah, for basically no reason. There's literally no reason that Piper couldn't have shown up like five minutes earlier. Yeah, I guess. I, I it, it would have been, it was weird. It was weird to end the last episode with her going off. Yeah, and... Honestly, you don't really get that much from her being missing for a month. Like, in fact, she forgets most of what happened in White Lighter Land because that's the nature of White Lighter Land. For now. <laughs> well, you know, when White Lighter Land is a place and not just on top of the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. So I believe that will bring us to our segments. Let's tap into our own power of three. Our first power is premonition. Who, is, who in this episode is, was, or will become famous? Well, I mean, I think I need to talk about Julian McMahon. We, we son do. of Son of the Australian Prime Minister, Sir William McMahon. How weird is that? That would be like watching a, you know, TV show like Supernatural and Chelsea Clinton as a character in it. Well, I mean, Meghan Merkel is an actress. Was an actress before she became a princess. I don't know what her title is. I don't yeah, think she's yeah, a princess. I think th- she's a duchess. But that went in reverse. That's true. That's true. Yeah, th- this this would be like Prince Harry being in deciding s- to be a NCIS an action star. or something, or like or like uh, Santa Claus deciding to become a uh, a star in a police procedural, like in that other skit from I think you should leave. <laughs> it's about the process. Uh, anyway, Julian McMahon, though, on his own as an actor, not just as the son of a politician, uh, he starred in Nip Tuck. Mm-hmm. He starred in FBI Most Wanted. And no, no clue. It was a police procedural. Mm. Actually, it was a spinoff of a of FBI, which to me is like Julian McMahon was good enough to be in his own spinoff. I literally never heard of FBI or this spinoff, but... Okay. Well, I mean, you know him as 
Dr. Victor Von Doom from the Fantastic Four movies before the Fan Four Stick movies. The sadly least bad Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I was going to say he was also in Runaways, but uh, he wasn't. Was he? I don't think he's in it. He was in a movie called Premonition. Huh. Weird. Uh, did you watch Nip Tuck? I watched like the first couple of seasons before it felt like it was getting too. Ryan Murphy. Wait, is that a was Ryan Murphy Nip Tuck? Did he do that? Mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy was Nip Tuck. Wow. I have not seen a single second of it. But my thing about Ryan Murphy shows in general is I tend to like them at the beginning and then they just go off the rails and become too Ryan Murphy y. Yeah. So I I could probably sit down and watch like the first season and then be like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Like how Glee was a parody of high school shows for like the first seven episodes. And then it became what it was parodying. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the early Glee plots is them having a successful bake sale because they're selling weed brownies. Like so that everyone gets the munchies and comes back to buy more stuff from the bake sale. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just kind of becomes a regular teen show. It's weird. But, uh, that is Julian McMahon. He's a famous person. You've probably seen him in stuff. Mm-hmm. There's someone else, though. There is someone else who is also famous that was in this episode. There was. You might know him as Gwyneth Paltrow's uncle or Blythe Danner's brother. He's like the Jerry Van Dyke of the Danner Paltrow family. I, th- I think he's more famous than Harry Danner. I I want to argue with that because Jerry Van Dyke is like the poster child for people who are only famous for being related to other people. But I legitimately can't think of a single thing Harry Danner was in. <laughs> and I do know that Jerry Van Dyke was in My Mother, The Car. And I'm assuming Diagnosis Murder because that was the show. Uh dick van dyke set up so that his son could be in a tv show <laughs> yes but yeah gwyneth paltrow's uncle was in this episode slash Blythe danner's brother also emilio the serial killer was a demon in buffy he was he was a demon who's under heavy makeup so you wouldn't recognize him but i do love the charmed wiki because the charmed wiki is like the Charmed Wiki says uh, Fleming Brooks, which is the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Fleming Brooks is one of many actors who appears in both Charmed and Buffy. Accurate. I mean, he's got... I'm surprised they did the demon face thing because dude has a good sinister face. Yes, he looks real evil. But you know what? I feel like it's in his eyes. So putting him all on demon makeup is still going to work. Yeah, but he did a really good job. I like him. I'm disappointed. He. I'm sure he has a long career of playing evil people and stuff but he he has very good sinister face yeah he does i believe that will take us to our second segment time freeze what specifically dated this episode faxes raves yeah the bare naked ladies yeah there, there was there was a fair amount the fact that he couldn't just the fact that daryl couldn't just text prue a picture of the mark that he needed to fax her which i know fax machines are still a thing we had one in my office and it had a uh, strip uh, i think a dilbert strip about how faxes shouldn't be a thing anymore taped to it but oh that's funny um in my office we have a fax phone number but 
the faxes if the fax is sent to us it goes directly to our email so it's it's not even really a fax but yeah also i know it's not it was probably just a thing with raves but there was a girl at the rave who was wearing a pink alias style wig yes and okay tv tropes i know that we said that ms hellfire was a alias riff and it wasn't because alias hadn't come out yet but I'm pretty sure the alias had come out at this point. Oh, well, I mean, you said it was an alias-style wig, but I actually really remember in the 2000s when there were, like, all these kiosks at the mall, or I remember going down to St. Mark's Place in New York, and they're just being, like, uh, vendors outside selling those wigs. They were, I feel like they were really big in the 2000s. Like Cat in the Hat hats? Yes, yes, Exactly. So I believe that'll do it for Time Freeze. That'll move us on to our last segment, Telekinesis. What, if anything, genuinely moved you this episode? Okay, I'm not saying it genuinely moved me, but I really, really like Cole. I know, that's why, that's mine too. Oh my god, when Cole grabs Phoebe's leg and I'm just like, oh, Cole. Well, I feel like he's got such dynamic interactions with all of the different characters. We've got him... Like, him playing off Daryl. Mm-hmm. It really feels... And his thing with Phoebe. It really feels like he's sort of hitting all of these characters at different levels. And we haven't really gotten to his thing with Prue yet. But the sort of antagonistic relationship they develop. I just... All of Cole's stuff. And especially the scene where he kills the judge. Yes. When he's like... You've vastly... You've vastly misunderstood the situation that you have gotten yourself into here i mean i'm just getting i'm 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 moved right now thinking about it yeah cole cole genuinely moved me cole <laughs> oh. all right so i believe that'll do it for our segments yeah nothing made you astral project nothing made me astral project you know what though um i actually think i want to take back cole being my um being my telekinesis and saying that Cole genuinely moved me. Mm-hmm. I want to say that Cole levitated me. <laughs> oh, are we introducing a new segment? I just, seeing Cole, like, just the thing that just made you, like, excited. Like, glitter was exploding inside me, to yeah. quote Crazy Ex Girlfriend. So this is sort of an inverse of, uh. Yeah. This is sort of an inverse of the, uh. Yeah, not something that you emotionally connected with, but something that just got you. Something that just brought you joy and raised you up. Okay, I'm, I'm, guess I'm telekinetically moving my, uh, <laughs> Cole killing the judge because that was an awesome moment. I got genuinely psyched when Cole, uh... Yes, absolutely. So our next episode is called Magic Hour. All right, then. I mean, they're all terrible. All yes. the title names are terrible. Yes. And the episode description is, Piper tries to plan her wedding in secrecy. A sorcerer's curse keeps apart young lovers. I have no memory. I, I remember Piper trying to set up her wedding in secret, but I have no memory of the... Uh... I actually do remember that part. Huh. Yeah. Is, I, the, I... is this just going to be the Cupid thing again, or... Um, I, yeah, there is, I, I, if I'm remembering it correctly, there is a Cupid situation in that plot. A Cupid-esque situation, not a Cupid, because, uh, you know, sorcerer keeping people right. apart feels like the, you know, dark Cupid thing from the dark, <laughs> from the Cupid episode. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, all right. 
So I think that'll do it for this week. Mm-hmm. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. <laughs>